What's going on today? Hope the day is treating you well. Wanted to let you know the podcast is proudly brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. If you need your home spray foamed, be sure to check out msfi.ca today. Drew and the crew over at Muskoka are waiting for you to help you with your spray foam needs. Be sure to check out msfi.ca today. We're also proudly brought to you by Boone Contracting. They pride themselves on excellent customer service and quality workmanship. They specialize in every aspect of contracting, residential or commercial, from complete custom renovations, decks, fencing and more. Be sure to check out boonecontracting.ca. Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. With Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun, beat reporter for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's been on the show a couple of times. Now can call him friend of the show, Terry Koshan. Terry, how is everything going in the Koshan household? Uh, not too bad, Jamie. We're uh, coping uh, on a day-to-day basis, I think, with everybody else right now. And uh, you just get up every morning and you put one foot in front of the other, as the old saying goes, and, and you know you get on with the day. So it's uh, it's uh, strange times for all, and uh, you know we're experiencing it like everyone else is right now. Well, I mean, we might as well rewind a little bit and do, a, you know, a little bit of Maple Leaf talk, make it a little cathartic yeah. for people, have some fun with it, because, uh, you know, right now everybody's kind of held up and just waiting to see what will happen with the season. But the last time we spoke, the coaching change had just happened. The Leafs were doing well underneath Keefe. Um, mm-hmm. We went through the trade deadline, and now, you know, the team was poised looking to maybe hold on to that last playoff spot uh, in the Atlantic with the Florida Panthers trading guys off. Um, before this all went down and before everything kind of went on pause, what were your thoughts on the Maple Leafs and the push being made by other teams below them and the Toronto Maple Leafs in the spot that they were at? Well, I think that, you know, they, they made a lot of strides under Keith, And I know that there were still some bumps in the road, Jamie, and and all this sort of thing. Uh, you know, um, they had that great, what was it, nine or nine win in 10 game streak whatever that was it was a, I think 11 uh, game point streak they were under yeah yeah not long after Keith took over and you know things kind of I settled down a bit after that and it was you had a little more more of a, a regular results if you will but uh, I, I like the things that they were doing um, you know it, it was a little bizarre I mean that last trip out west uh, you know coming out of there without a win and, and not scoring at all really and um you know, and then Leafs being the Leafs come back and beat Tampa in the, in the last game before everything was put on pause, uh, and, and the win that we probably didn't expect them to, to to have. So they were learning under Keith, though, and I think that that was uh, encouraging. And there was um, a really good back and forth between the coaching staff and the players. And I think you know we all know that by the time Mike Babcock got fired in November, uh, that was gone. Uh, but there was there was some growth there, and you know they were going to get. They just got Morgan Riley back. Jake Muzzin was on the cusp of coming back, so the defense was going to be solidified. And you know, I, I, I like the fact that they were able to get through, you know, January, February with with injuries to people and still keep their heads above the playoff line and, and keep that playoff spot and be three points ahead of Florida when things went on pause. So you know, I, I think the signs were were were, were uh, relatively encouraging. And uh, like I say, you get Riley back. Muzzin was going to be back. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the way the schedule looked and everything, at least probably would have been okay to hang on to that spot. But, uh, yeah, it was, like I say, it was encouraging overall. And I think that's one thing that people should remember in all this, that when Aki does come back, and it will, uh, Sheldon Keith put in a lot of good uh, building blocks, and I think that it'll grow from them eventually. Well, the good thing about this squad, too, is you talk about them keeping their head above water. It seemed yeah. like, for whatever reason, the bonding became more prevalent as well. With um, you know, basically the boys getting together more. You look at the relationship right now. I mean, I know Jack Campbell has only been there for a handful of games before everything went on pause. But you look at the sort of bromance between him, Freddie Anderson, and Austin Matthews. And I mean, if you can get that kind of you know symbiotic relationship between the starting goaltender and the backup goalie. I mean, we've seen what it was with Anderson and McElhaney and how that helped the Leafs. Um, I'm thinking, you know, if this relationship can keep budding and the Leafs yeah. were able to retain them beyond the extra year they have, that's only more good things for the Leafs. Um, and to speak, like you said, about them being three points up, I was very happy to see the Florida Panthers trade away Trocek. Uh, they got yeah. two players back in that deal that can definitely you know, make impacts in their lineup. But 
it almost looked like they subtracted a little bit and it was going to give the Leafs that chance to be in the breathing room. Um, I'm wondering for you, were you kind of confused by Florida making that deal, especially after signing Bobrovsky to that big deal in the playoffs where basically playoffs are bust? A little bit, a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's uh, teach their own, I suppose. And, and you know, and, and to the Panthers' credit too, I mean, uh, they had won a couple games going into the pause, Jamie. And, um, yep. you know, I, I, I think that as much as, as encouraged by the Warriors the Leafs were, were doing or – or whatever the word is, we have to remember too that um, you know the Panthers weren't going away, and there was one. I remember I, I'd already we were already looking ahead at March 23rd when when the two clubs were supposed to play each other for the last time this season. That game that would have been in Toronto uh, with the Panthers, and, and that I, would have been very large. I mean, even even with uh, you know the at least had five or six games to go after that, but that Panthers game was one we'd already circled on the calendar how, how big it was going to be. And I'd imagine they might have done the same a bit down in Florida, but um, you know, it uh, a little surprise. But you know, it, what teams do at the trade deadline, what they don't do, you know, I still think that the Leafs would have been better off making some adjustments uh, defensively at the at the break. Uh, we know, or sorry, at the uh, trade deadline, we know they didn't do that. Um, but uh, yeah, the, 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 if, if this resumes and there is a regular season of any sort. Uh, you know, I would imagine that the Panthers will make some sort of charge, but um, unfortunately, I think that's so far off in the distance, it's really hard to say. But um, you know, the fact they had a game in hand too—I believe it was. Uh, yeah, least, they did. Uh, whatever they yeah. So a game in hand, and uh, you know, the uh, the points percentage weren't far off. I mean, I think if the Leafs had lost in regulation that that last night to Tampa, Jamie, if I'm not mistaken, they would have finished. They would have had uh, still um, one more point than the Panthers, but. Uh, percentage-wise, been just below them. So, you know, good for the Leafs to win that last game going in, and uh, you know, we'll see where that can wind up putting them if they do resume with the regular season at some point later on in the summer. Well, I mean, now we're talking, we're we're leading into that fact. So, basically, I'll ask you before we jump into the ifs and whats and nuts and buts about yep. what can happen here with you know different scenarios. When everything went on pause that night, where the NBA basically you see the video. You know, they're telling yep. the fans to leave the arena because of, obviously, COVID-19, trying to keep yep. everyone calm. And basically, that's when things started shutting down at almost a rapid rate. For you being, you know, covering the team and in the media, um, mm-hmm. you know, we all seen the pictures of the Nashville Predators bags at the uh, Scotiabank Center and sitting down there, Scotiabank Arena, sorry, and um, sitting down and the players are not there. And then basically, yep. you look at... Chris Johnson, yourself, Elliot Freeman, everybody who's talking about it, saying the players um, are not coming, uh, don't know about the status of the game against Nashville for that night. And then, of course, the NHL says that they are suspending the season. At that point, it wasn't known for how long. For you, what was the instant reaction? I mean, it's something that is unprecedented, something that yep. hasn't happened before. Um, I'm wondering what hit you first and what was the first like gut reaction for you? Well, let me let me do this. Let me rewind it one week from March 12th. Okay, it's March 5th. We're in Los Angeles, Jamie, and uh, the least I'm pretty sure that morning they didn't have a morning skate. Just some of the uh, scrubs are on the ice, and uh, it's kind of an odd morning. Um, you know, we're starting. We had just left San Jose, so some of the things are coming out of the San Jose area about you know the the, the uh, coronavirus spreading there. And uh, Brandon Shanahan was kind of dancing around, and which is a little bit odd. Um, he, he doesn't. Like he's at practices and stuff at the MasterCard Center, but to see him in proximity to us and outside the, the Leafs um, uh, room at the Staples Center on that Thursday morning was a little interesting. And then he kind of looked at Scott McNaughton, the, the PR uh, guy who was on the trip, the Leafs, and said, "Hey, can I? Am I okay to go? Like meaning to do a scrum?" So we talked to Shanahan. That the, the coronavirus came up, and you know, he, at that point, he said, "We're listening to all the recommendations of the CDC and the WHO." And going from there, and then we we got a few players. One was John Tavares, and we're kind of you know we're talking amongst ourselves before Tavares comes out. And Mark Masters from TSN says, "Well, you know, um, I mean, I'm going to ask him about the possibility of playing in front of empty ranks." And we're all kind of thinking, you know, is that really going to happen? And you know, it's, it seems a little far fetched, and and all this. So Mark asked him at the end of the scrum, and you know, Tavares said, uh, you know, I, it's hard to kind of envision because of the revenues and everything that drive the game. And, and, you know, at this point, the players are all just talking about washing their hands and, and hygiene and everything. 
So it goes from that, Jamie, on March 5th uh, to, you know, not really con- taking seriously considering they play in front of no fans to one week later, the cancel being, or sorry, the, the season being put on pause. And just that whole, so I think by the time it happened on the Thursday, uh, March 12th, I think we were kind of ready for it, especially with what happened the night before. Rudy Gobert gets it, and Tom Hanks goes on social media and says, I've got it too. And I think that those two factors, especially Rudy Gobert in the, in the sports scene, um, really put, the, everything got pushed forward then to the pause. But, uh, you know, that whole week, we, there was a sense of, of something that was coming, but we didn't know what. The Leafs play the Kings, they play the Ducks. You know, I think it was over that weekend that um, the NHL announced that the media weren't going to be in the room anymore yeah. and there's going to be a, a six-foot distance. And we all thought, look, this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, it was, it was just like a... It, it didn't really... It wasn't really going to accomplish anything because you, you know, you're telling us to stay six feet away from the players and can't go in the room when they're going out and body-checking each other and, and you know, exchanging fluid, all this sort of thing in the course of the game, like do it naturally. So it was a bit of a window dressing by the by the league, but we I guess we realized that they had to just kind of do something. We kind of thought that would be in place for quote unquote the rest of the season. And uh, you know, I remember leaving the game against Tampa, walking into the press box, and it was Dave McCarthy from NHL.com. He and I had a quick chat, and he's kind of leaning back in his chair and he's looking out over their empty rink, and he says, "You know, Terry, I said, I wonder when we'll be back here again." I said, "Oh, come on." I don't think anything's going to happen that drastically that quickly. I said, we'll be back Thursday. And and he just kind of had a, and I, you know, just a, a weird gut feeling about it. And then, you know, we practiced the next day at MasterCard. We weren't in the room again. And and uh, it was kind of weird because by then, like I said, so we're not in the room and scrums are being held at six feet or whatever. But we didn't really adhere to that, to be honest. I know some of us got some guys one-on-one and, and we were within closer than six feet. Looking back now, it's kind of a miracle that nobody got, uh, none of the media or the players uh, got the virus in California, being that we're there for a week and, and out and about and everything, and then in close proximity again a few days later. But um, when that all happened Wednesday night, we just we knew that something was coming the next day on the on the, on the Thursday. And I, I live like 45 minutes west of downtown, so I remember driving in thinking, what's going what's it going to be like by, by the time we get there. Um, I didn't have any radio on or anything. By the time I got to the rink, I think a quarter to 11, it had been done. They announced around 10 o'clock that there's nothing happening tonight. Players have been sent home. So there was an empty feeling. Um, but even then, at that time, Jamie, still with all this happening, you know, there was the idea that, you know, perhaps they'll go away for a week, try to figure things out, and then, you know, they could probably get back in the practice ring by the end of the following week and go from there. And we all know that that didn't happen uh, within you know, just a few days we're under lockdown. So it, it was surreal. And, and um, I said to my wife at the time, I said, you know, I know they're saying, I think the next day or so, I was like, okay, maybe a three-week period here. And I said, you know, I think I got this feeling that we're going to look back on this and say it was well, kind of cute that we were thinking it was going to be three weeks. And here we are seven weeks to the day later, I believe, and yep. there's no end in sight. So it, it was it was odd. And by the time I got to the rink that morning, um, you know, there was no sign of the Leafs. We got they, they gave us a, a, a printed statement with Shanahan's comments. Um, like you guys, like you said, the, the Nashville's bags were packed in the hallway. We saw hiding their hair of anybody involved with the team itself, because um, a lot of those things come overnight. Uh, they come when the team gets in the night before uh, to the rink, and um, and at that point, the, the packed bags might have been to leave. To be quite honest, not to come in uh, to, to leave the rink, knowing what was happening. So. Um, you know, it was it was kind of funny. We we didn't. I, I don't think if I remember the day correctly, the, uh, the NHL didn't release anything right away. We just knew that players had been sent home. So five or six of us in the media walked down to a food court at uh, you know at Bay and, and Queens Key, and, and uh, everything looked normal. That was the weird thing about that day. Is I I, I parked near the um, between the Sky Dome and or sorry Rogers Center and the rink, walking over. Things look kind of normal. Then you get in, and there's nothing normal about it at all. And we went for lunch that day, and just, you know, wondering what's coming. And the announcement came around one or two o'clock, I think, about the the pause. So it was uh, it was odd. We said our goodbyes, and we're saying goodbye to Steve Simmons and Mike Zeisberger and, and Chris Johnson, and, and uh, I think Masters was still there at that point. Lance Hornby, you know, when are we going to see each other again? Well, we haven't seen each other since, and um, it's 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 still odd to wrap the mind around all of it. Well, it's absolutely insane. I'll go back a little bit too. 
I mean, the first week of March, I finally went down to Tampa and, you know, got away yeah. and had a little bit of a, a trip with my father-in-law and brother-in-law. And we went to a couple of Tampa Bay Lightning games. And, you know, you're in the MLA arena, packed to 20,000 fans. And yeah. you're not thinking anything of it. And here's the, the absolute crazy thing. You know, my wife and my brother-in-law's wife were both messaging us, telling us, you know, be careful, sanitize, you know, it's getting bad yeah. there. It's getting bad in the States. You know, be careful what you're doing. And yeah. going around, you didn't. nobody in Florida was talking about it. It wasn't yeah. on the radio. People weren't concerned yeah. about it. You know, yeah. and you even look now, I mean, they're still lining up to go to the beach and everything like that. But it was just so crazy to see, like, we were there. And I, I joke right now, and, it, you yeah. know, you can try to make light of it a little bit, but you say... That was the last week of normalcy. We went to, you know, two hockey games, a baseball game, you know, fans yep. full on, normal, and then all of a sudden we get home and everything's shutting down and everyone's scrambling to make sure who is where and, you know, do you need to stay home? Do you need to get tested? And it just was yep. absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, for me, I went back to work for a week after I came back and then the next week I got called the Saturday morning to be told, hey, you can't come into work next week after this. You yeah. have to stay home and make sure you don't have any symptoms. And in my head, I'm thinking, I've already been to work for one week. So, I mean, if yeah. anything's going to happen, it's already happened. But it was right, just right. so crazy how fast things changed in those five days from coming home. Like you said, it was just like yeah. bing, 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 and everything was just done. Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, and again, in, in California, there wasn't um – like the things were happening in San Jose, but again, the, the, you know, the Staples Center, then the Honda Center, and those back-to-back nights, there wasn't really a, a sense of it yet. But having said that, when I flew home on March seventh from LA, I flew through. I flew, uh, sorry, flew through uh, JFK in New York, and then on to Pearson. And at JFK, um, there were some people with masks on in that, and it wasn't overly busy. As like, probably went through there on dinner time on the Saturday night, and uh, so it wasn't overly busy or anything, but. It was still it was still a little off-putting, and again, you know, you, you don't really know what's coming in the next few days. But just just the speed, like we like we said, the speed of it uh, happening as fast as it did, where within a week we're feeling kind of sheepish asking a guy about playing in empty rinks to now that being the obvious answer to when this thing comes back. It, yeah, I don't know. It's, well, like I say, it's hard to put the words. Let's jump into that kind of stuff right now. I mean. That's the big question. What do they do? Yeah. Do you play to empty rinks? But obviously there's cities where they're not going to be allowed to play. Um, right. I look at Toronto right now. It's one of those cities that, you know, looks like they won't be allowed to have any of that kind of stuff. But And I've said this to multiple people, you know, across many spectrums in the past couple of weeks. You know, the problem is if even if you have a neutral site location for just Sands, each division. So you have, you know, Edmonton would be one spot. Maybe Arizona and wherever you have the Atlantic and Metropolitan Divisions go out and do their thing. Right. You have to have all the hotel staff. You have to have all the restaurant staff. You have to have deliveries constantly. You have to yep. have cleaning. You have to have maintenance. So you're still bringing in all of these different people and constantly having different people coming in and out of whatever lockdown you have created. So That's right. unless you have some sort of rapid response testing, yep. you know, it just doesn't make sense to do. And I mean... Here's the test balloon on May 9th. The UFC is doing an event in Florida. I bet you every sports league is going to be looking at that with bated breath to see, A, how they do the testing. Does anybody test positive before the event? And then after the event, has anybody tested positive? And what led up to it? What the testing was like? And basically, you know, how did it go off without fans? And that's going to be a huge test balloon. But I'm wondering for you, you look at the NHL. What is the best case scenario for them setting up? Do they do it the four divisions and four neutral locations, or do they try to have every city opened up at some point? Well, I would think that the what you said the four the four hubs, and you know, I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, just shut it down and, and go on to 20, um, 2020, 21. But the NHL has to do this; they have to put plans in place for the chance that there there is they are going to be able to do this. I think it would work, you know, here in I think it might work best in, in four cities, but when you when you when you talk about Jamie, the, the things about you know every question that has to be answered. I mean, that list. It's kind of funny. I've been thinking about it, and you know that list seems to get longer every time I, I, I give it some thought. Yeah. And you know, um, 
So, but the NHL has to, has to do this. They have to look into it. They, on the off chance that there's a way that they can make it work, they have to be ready. They can't be caught, you know, unprepared for the idea that uh, that it that it can't happen. And um, you know, they're able to put something in place. But I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, we're you know we're hearing players make noise about being sequestered from their families for that type of that length of time. And I, I know some people say, oh well, it's you know, if it's Drew Doughty or Philip Deneau, they're on teams right now that you know, won't be in the playoffs or whatever. But, but still, I, I can understand that that concern. And and you know, I, the questions raised: What do you do if you're a player whose wife is due to give birth in yep. in September? Do you leave that bubble, come back? Are you on the shelf for two weeks? You have to, you know, the, the questions that arise are, are um, they're all they're almost too many. And again, the return to play committee, good for them. And you hope that they can find some sort of uh, some sort of solution. Now, what I think is a little even scarier, to be honest, is looking down uh, the, the road to the next to the following season. And you know, uh, Bruce Garriott from from the Ottawa Sun and Post Media was talked to someone last week, and then the NHL exec, and the, he quoted the person saying, "Look, you know, playing without fans now, we, we conceivably can do it. The salaries have mostly paid; most everything's been done for the most part for this season. But you can't start a new season without fans. They need that revenue." And until there's a vaccine, I don't see how that happens. I just don't. I mean, you could say, okay, well, you know, you can sit fans here and this far apart and that far apart. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It just no, well, then, then you decide who gets in and who doesn't, right? I mean, well, who gets in and who doesn't? The other, the other factor that I haven't really seen played about too, or too much, and I guess maybe it has been out there, but all these people taking a financial hit right now is the yep. first. Is that where you're going to want to spend? whatever dollars you have left to help support multimillionaire hockey players and their multimillionaire owners, in some cases billionaire owners. I don't know. I, I don't know where it goes. I mean, uh, it, it's really difficult to say, but uh, like I said initially, at least for this season and trying to find a solution, it's incumbent on the NHL to try to find anything to get back to, to finish it. Uh, because, you know, um, I, I just think it just needs to happen, and they have to they have to be ready for that idea. Whether it actually happens, that's 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 the much bigger question. Well, that's a huge speculation. Well, something I was talking to to Paul Bromby about from Sportsnet was, you know, maybe a virtual ticket. You know, just so that yeah. way, if you get to a virtual ticket kind of base, and the reason why I say that is players, you know, they don't really buy into the noise sometimes, but it adds to the atmosphere of a game. If you had a yeah. virtual ticket for the home team. You know, you can go out and buy this virtual ticket. You've got to add it into an audio queue where you guys can cheer for big plays that happen during the game. They pipe it in. And then the extra yep. thought that we had was maybe what you do to create a little bit more revenue is you get to pick your seat and there's a virtual camera on that seat. And you right. watch the feed from that seat as if you're there. And it kind of pans the uh, the ice for you as the game's going on. Just to add the you know in-game kind of experience almost like a virtual reality or, you know, getting immersed into the game that way. Those are ways that teams might be able to recoup a little bit. But like you just said, is someone going to want to spend $120 on a virtual yeah. experience? Um, even a virtual ticket to get to cheer for the game and have your voice added in. I mean, you're going to be in there with another 20,000 fans, obviously, if they sell out to 20,000. You know, right. so is your voice really getting heard and is it really worth it? But, you know, you look at all the people that stand outside the Maple Leaf games and Maple Leaf Square and all that. You know, the same thing. They, they go out there and cheer just to cheer. So people yeah. may line up to do it for the experience. And I said, you know, maybe the Maple Leafs or Dallas Stars or whatever team it is that may go the virtual ticket route might send the uh, the fan who signs up for that ticket something, like a little yeah. token of something to say, hey, this is a special thing you get for being a part of this. Um, but there's got to be some sort of way to do it without fans but still include them somehow. Um, yep. that's the only way that I think you can do it like I said with the camera and then the, the virtual ticket where you get to cheer but those are things that are very complicated and obviously with anything that has to do with over the internet or bandwidth you have a certain latency as well so there may be yeah. a delay on the cheer which may not fit with the game or the video and I don't know there's, there's so many things to figure out but I do think they will come back um, I don't know what it looks like and that's the next thing I want to ask you is you see so many scenarios here. I mean, right now, the Buffalo Sabres fans are absolutely chomping at the bit because a lot of us were saying, I don't know why they traded for Wayne Simmons at the deadline when they looked like they were dead in the water. 
But now if this new proposal that they're coming out with goes through, Buffalo's in their face in the Maple Leafs first round. And, I mean, it's a playoff series that I think me and you talked about earlier this season. If it happened, it would be beautiful. Well, now it looks like it might be something that's on the table. I'm wondering what the ideal setup for you is. Should it be the teams that are in right now, just play the playoffs and get it done? Or do you like, like Ken Reed, the, the franking experiments where throw all caution to the wind, have fun with it, create something new because you're already in that territory, and just mm-hmm. do this new thing? Well, it, it's hard to say. I mean, because the NHL talks about keeping the integrity of the Stanley Cup, right? And I, I think if you go if you go too far down the beaten path, right, or too far down a new path right now with, with different scenarios and different outlooks and the yeah, a Buffalo Sabre team that right now is 13 points, just for an example, 13 points out of the playoffs, now in the playoffs, then you can take, I think you can take a little more of the integrity talk out and put it to the side. It's, it just doesn't make any sense. But I, I, don't, I don't know what, what the ideal solution is. I think it depends on, you know, what which way they, they wind up deciding to go. If, it's, if it is four hub cities, if they can somehow get into a few more buildings across the league, uh, you know, by the end of the summer, um, early fall, if, if this thing is a little more under control in certain areas, um, then perhaps they go that way. But, you know, there, you, you have to, I, I still think for me, you have to, you have to give a weightier bit of respect to the teams who have earned their positions at this point. Right. Yeah. That's just the way I see it. And, you know, these teams that are, are, are under that, uh, under that, you know, the, the wild card spot line in the standings right now, I know that some are awfully close. I mean, the Islanders are a point out, and in the, in the West, there's, um, you Minnesota. know, uh, Minnesota, Vancouver, Vancouver's tied to Nashville in points, which on the outside looking in. Um, maybe to find a way to give those teams a bit of a shot, but, you know, opening the door and then just kind of, you know, uh, letting more teams at it. Now, having said this too, Jamie, there's going to be an asterisk beside, if there is a Stanley Cup winner for the season, there will be an asterisk beside that team's name for the end of time, until the end of time anyway. Listen, no, don't the, do that. Don't yeah, do that. You, know, you add you that asterisk. I mean, if Toronto wins, I mean, it's going to be the first. Oh, Toronto no, goes no, and wins. All, the... I mean, all, all, I mean, all I mean is by that is, it's not, it's not that they wouldn't have earned it. It's just going to <laughs> be in the, on the unique circumstances of what happened this season. That's all. Well, that, it would just you know, be the, such a Toronto thing to happen, you know what I mean? They, they win the <laughs> yeah, cup with no fans. They win the cup with no parade and, of course, an I, I'm not, I'm, I can't, I'm not laughing here. Just, yeah. I, I, you know. It's the most Toronto way possible. Yeah. Well, who knows? I think, having said that, though, a lot of people would take it, right? So. Oh, you, you take any cup win. I mean, it doesn't matter if there's an asterisk beside it or not. A cup win is a cup yeah. win, right? Yeah, but, I know it is. And, and, and by the time you win it, you will you will have really accomplished it because if they're if, if they end up doing some of these things they're thinking of where the players haven't been around the families and it's just been themselves and they've been in this bubble well you know all due respect to the team that comes out of that with the Stanley Cup at the end but um you know we'll have to see if it ends up happening that way well I look at it like this I mean just per se they decide to go with either the teams that are in it or just try to include the teams that are on the cusp of maybe making it and do some sort of play in just to, to shore it up and solve the issue of who is in and who is out. If the Leafs do get in, and this has come some sort of you know experimental thing, it's almost like the season is starting again. And as I said to many people, yep. the Leafs, when they start out in October, they go out guns a blazing. Freddie isn't exactly up to sharp, but they can score yep. a plethora of goals. So if that can propel them, you know, maybe a round, maybe two. And then Freddie finds his groove, and the defense starts to gel together again. We might be able to make a little bit of noise, but it's all yeah. ifs and whats, right? Yeah, yeah, you might, it's, it's true. You might be able to. You know, keep in mind one 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 aspect of this I've been kind of uh, I found intriguing, and that I agree with is you know Brad Marchand said it a few weeks ago um, during a conference call. Jason Spezza said it to us last week during a conference call, and I know a few other guys have said it, and they've said that. The teams that are going to have the advantage coming back are the youthful ones, yeah. the youthful, fast ones that are, you know, like letting the puppies out of the box almost. And well, <laughs> the Leafs are one of those teams, right? Yeah. I mean, who, who, there aren't many, there aren't many clubs right now in the National Hockey League. You know, Edmonton others are, are one, that, you know, with that type of uh, youthful energy and skill and everything. But there aren't many that have that sort of thing that the Leafs do, and and um, 
some of the older clubs might suffer coming out of it. I mean, the one thing is, I mean, a lot, I think the challenge, and not that we're hearing this, but I would imagine there's a bigger challenge right now for a lot of the older players, Jamie, to, to stay completely in shape and be absolutely ready when, when and if this does come back. But I think that the Leafs would be an advantage for that. And that kind of dovetails to an extent what you're saying is that, you know, if they can get by whoever it would be in a first round, however many games it would be, you know, and, and maybe Freddie Anderson is, 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 is at his, you know, mid-season self right off the bat. We don't know. And the other factor, too, that I, you know, that I, you kind of like, too, is, you know, for the most part, everybody will be healthy. That's and, huge. Uh, we, we didn't see that when the season ended, of course, but a lot of people right now are recovering from injuries. A lot of people will have recovered from injuries by the time when and if this happens. So, you know, with the Leafs, with Andreas Johnson, probably, that, that, that might be it. You know, McKayev is ready to come back and... Uh, just the outside, I think, right? I mean, I've, I've off the top of my head that they, they would be without the start. Um, yeah, I think it's the only player because Muzzin's been rehabbing his hand. And the thing, yeah. too, you look at it like this. Morgan Riley, all season long, before he uh, broke his foot, was playing yeah. hurt and was missing practice and you know had to take a lot of maintenance time. Now you've given him time on top of the broken foot time to heal up completely. Now he's yeah. 100% Morgan Riley, so... You watch him come back, and you know he's going to be full of uh, P and V. And same with uh, Muzzin, fresh off his big deal. Um, yep. You listen to him talking on the uh, Thirty One Thoughts podcast. You know, absolutely stoked to be a Maple Leaf, stoked to be staying here. You know, it's it's wicked to see what's going to happen with those guys fully healthy. And Andreas Janssen being on the shelf, will you bring in Mikheyev now, who's back and healthy? That wrist is yep. going to be up to strength. I mean, the lineup is looking good. And before Mikheyev got hurt. He was finding his stride, so if he can even step yeah. into half of that, the Leafs are going to be a little bit of a force, I think. Yeah, and a guy who's you know looking at uh, you know trying to keep earning that next contract, right? So you know, and again, it's a whole other thing what the cap's going to look like and everything else. But um, yeah, you have you have a lot of guys here, you know, wanting to really pick up where they left off. I mean, William Nylander, look at the season he was having; he put the rest completely. Everything we were thinking last year, a lot of things we were thinking as he struggled. Uh, Tavares was solid. You know, Marner was doing his usual magical thing with well over a point a game. And, of course, Austin Matthews, you know, three goals short of 50. Oh. And if they, if they do resume a regular season, I think he'll get that. I mean, whether it's five games or six games with a full 12, I mean, I would be pretty surprised if he can't manage to find three goals in, him, uh, in the end of a regular season. But, um, you know, the, 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 the good thing is about you know the, the Leafs and the youth and everything that I I think is there no matter when the game comes back if it's further down the line than we think it is right now these guys are all still going to be young they're all going to still just be hitting the primes of their careers and uh, they'll be fine but like I said some of these older guys who you know you, you'd hate to see a career for a guy like Jason Spezza end this way um, it's going to be thirty I think thirty seven in, in June and. And not getting any younger, but he's just one guy that comes to mind. I mean, Patrick Marlowe in Pittsburgh, will he get a chance at a Stanley Cup if this if this thing doesn't happen? Uh, I say Probably I not. said that before. Yeah. I think I think uh, Marlowe's curse when it comes to winning the cup got close yeah. with the Sharks. You know, was supposed to be on this magical run with the Maple Leafs. It was cut short, and now yeah. you get traded to Pittsburgh with Sidney Crosby, Geno Malkin. You know, a team that perennially goes pretty deep in the playoffs. And and now the COVID nineteen kind of strips that all away. It's like, man, will yeah. this guy ever really get a sniff again? Yeah, he will. If they, if they if they don't come back, I don't see how they can. I mean, I know that yeah, much respect for what Patrick Marlowe has done in his career, but we saw at the tail end with the Leafs, he was just not an impactful player anymore. And yeah. you know, quite frankly, I was a little surprised he managed to come back and play again this season and and be somewhat productive. You know, as he was. And to the point that obviously he's attractive enough to the Pittsburgh Penguins to acquire him at the deadline. So um, I don't know, but you know, Zach Hyman, another one. Where Aww. would he pick up from, from the season he's, he just had? Um, then you have a guy like Casper Kapanen who struggled a lot. You know, one guy who was still looking to find his place under Sheldon Keith, but again, someone who'd want to come back and, and make a better impression. So you know. Like I say, we're not sure right now, but I would like to think that most people in Leafs Nation can be optimistic with the idea that this will have not, the team will have not gone off the rails in that regard whenever it does come back because the youth is the core. They're all under contract for the most part. 
uh, for the foreseeable future, and, and they will not lose their skills as this thing continues. There's no way. No. Well, just to touch on a few things, I mean, 6.9 for William Nylander, I mean, 30-goal score, maybe even more if the season yeah. went on, is now looking like an absolute steal. You know, this mm-hmm. guy bet on himself and knew what he can do and came into camp telling Keith and – or not Keith at the time, Babcock and Kyle Dubas that he would be the player they envisioned him to be, and of course he was. Um, yep. Jason Spezza, by all accounts, from what I've read anyway – wants to come back and be a Maple Leaf again for at least one more yep. year. So maybe you get him on a cheap deal. But another thing that's that flies under the radar here with John Tavares, um, everybody's saying he wasn't a, you know, a big powerhouse like he was last year. He didn't play with Marner for long stretches, but you also have to remember he had the hand injury. And then yep. he also had the birth of his son, Jace. So, yep. I mean, you're dealing with the newborn at home, dealing with yep. the, the feelings as a parent of not being there because you're on the road constantly. And then when you are home... You know, your your infant is awake and keeping you yep. up sometimes at night. We all know how that goes. So, I yep. mean, that all factors in. And now he's had that time to spend with Jason to be home and get more accustomed to it. Obviously, now he's a little bit older as well. So that may bode well for the Maple Leafs, you know, a, a more rested and ready-to-go John Tavares as well, getting that home life in order and, you know, getting to spend that extra time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And you're still talking about a guy who had 26 goals and 60 points. It's not a oh, kid yeah. falling off a cliff. You know? No, so no, it definitely hasn't. You know, probably going to wind up with 30 goals, I would think, if, if uh, you know, with four to go, if they do manage to play the final 12 games, which, uh, you know, I know that we're expecting probably more over after the numbers that he put up, you know, last season. But uh, so the things he, he was even doing uh, commendable, like you say, a lot of outside factors for John and, you know, a dad myself, I know those first few months and years and are like with a baby in the house, they're very unsettled. And, uh, you know, only by luck do you have a, a son or a daughter who sleeps through the night as a baby. And I know that, and I'm not sure what it was like for Tavares, uh, but it can impact uh, uh, people in different ways. But he was still, the same, still, you know, well, that's still the same guy and the captain and everything and, uh, you know, really fit that role to a T for the Leafs. But, um, you know, like I say, there's just uh there's there's a lot of good factors. I know you mentioned Jeff, Jack Campbell too off the top, and, yep. and what happens with Freddie. And, and Campbell's just the guy. We had, we just happened to talk to him today. I mean, the Leafs, have, at least I should say, have been great through all of this. They've made uh, you know a couple players a week available on conference calls, and and we tried to get some you know tried to make a little bit of headway that way. Today was Jack Campbell, and you know the same positive guy, and can't wait to get back and realizes he doesn't know when that's going to be. He's hoping that phase two will come at some point later in May and, and it can be then. But um, the positivity the guy brought through the room, I mean, it was, it was not fake. It was, it was real. Uh, the guys all loved him. I mean, they took to him immediately. The fact he was stopping the puck too from the backup position was helping, of course. Yes. At least, haven't had, at least didn't have it, hadn't had it since Curtis McElhaney on a consistent basis from that spot. So, you know, there's a guy too that I think would, would have to supply some more confidence in the fan base that if, you know, it would take Freddie Anderson some time to get back, you know, the, the indication from Campbell was that he was more than capable of stepping in when he had to. So, well, and again, a guy, a guy, sorry, a guy who's under contract for a couple more years. Yeah, he's got, he's not going he's got anywhere this year and next year, I think it is. Yeah, through 2022. So he's, he's, he's here for a bit and, you know, that, that's only bold well for the Leafs, you know, going ahead in the next few seasons. Well, it finally locks down a spot that's been such a, I'd say from the fan base and on social media, you know, a contentious spot because you're always wondering who is going to be the the next Curtis McElhaney and you've watched the goalie carousel behind Frederick Anderson. And, you know, as as goaltenders are, they're creatures of habit. So, I mean, watching Freddie deal with different backups and trying to not only maybe mentor them but work with them and figure out how they're going to do workload and figure out this, that, and the other stuff – it's yeah. nice to maybe have a little continuity with one guy and keep the continuing relationship going because yeah. now you can build a relationship. Like I said, with him and C-Mac, they understood each other. You know, C-Mac knew that he was the backup and that was all it was going to be. Went in and did uh-huh. his job when he needed to. I like the dynamic between Campbell and, and Freddie and even Campbell yeah. and, uh, and Austin Matthews. You know, if you can always be on page with one of your superstars too, it never hurts. So yeah. I, I got to ask you though, I mean, there's two players that – one, the fan base seems divided on keeping, which is Kyle mm-hmm. Clifford. Um, I'd like mm-hmm. to keep him myself if the price is right, but with the cap yeah. maybe staying stagnant, that might not be possible. What do you see for Kyle Clifford? Do you get any indication that he wants to stay or go or what? Yep. 
Oh yeah, no, I do. I mean, I talked to his agent Todd Reynolds early on in this process, and he would like to stay, but uh, there's just not um, there's not uh, there's, these things aren't being discussed right now. I think the league, the league and personnel, are just trying to figure out where they can go with the rest of the season first, and uh, and uh, go from there. But he would again like to come back. He's one of these guys that's uh, you know from just down the road and um, back home, if you will, in southern Ontario. Uh, but I, I, I talked about this with someone else earlier, and we were discussing if you had a choice between Spetsa or Clifford to come back, I would go with Spetsa because, again, who knows when this is going to be. But, um, you know, as much as Kyle Clifford brings what he brings to the lineup, he's a bit of an outlier in that sense for the Leafs, right? Like, you know, that, that, that physicality and everything, it's not the way that this team has been built necessarily. Now, having said that, he's a useful, useful forward for them. Was still getting on track, I think, uh, Jamie, after, in, the, in the month or so after the trade uh, with LA. But um, you know, um, he's one of these guys that you're gonna have to make that decision on when you have a better idea of what the cap is going to be for you know the 2021, 2020, 21 season. And right now, there's just I don't think there's absolutely any way of knowing what that is going to be, whether it's stagnant, whether it drops a bit, certainly not going up. I think we can probably yeah, we can pretty sure of that. that one, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the Leafs will have some maneuvering to do, but, um, you know, that decision on him is not going to come for a while, a while I, I would expect. Well, the, the other player I was talking about, obviously the fan base wants to see go, which um, I, I think is unfortunate, but I threw the, the idea out there on Twitter the other night. You look at players betting on themselves on one year deals what yeah. better of a player to bet on himself for a one-year deal than Tyson Berry? Uh, yeah. Started off absolutely rocky with Babcock as the coach. Took off after Keefe was uh, named the head coach. Obviously dipped down again when the injuries started to snipe in. Um, you know, who knows what would happen with the full decor being healthy and what he could put up. Do you think there's any appetite for Tyson Berry to come back maybe on a one-year cheap deal? Build his, uh, build his uh, equity back up and get himself back in the uh, the books of $8 million he wants? I don't think so because I think there's going to be a team out there that would come close to giving it to him anyway. I just, don't see, I just don't see it happening. Well, it's it's more that a one-year deal, somebody of, somebody of, of his uh, potential, I just don't see that uh, necessarily happening. And if, that, if that's the case too, I think you have to – you know, accept the idea that the Leafs would want to have him back and not have perhaps some of these other youngsters uh, take the next step for them, uh, whether it's Sandy playing a lot more, or Timothy Littering getting a longer look, this sort of thing. Um, I don't, I don't know that, that Barry would agree to that. I'd be very surprised if he did. Well, because know. again, uh, he, he he's not one of these guys that I don't see that's 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 gone off a cliff. Have there been struggles? Yes. In, in, um, Oh, I, I certainly uh, don't think he's gone off a cliff. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying by reading the fan base and you read the comments and you look around on what people are saying on social media and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, if you just go by solely that, like if you just woke up and that's the only thing you read every day, you'd think right. that this player was absolutely horrible. I'm not in that boat. I'm, a, I'm in the boat that I wish we could actually bring him back. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to pay him eight million dollars, much like I didn't want to pay Muzzin six. So mm-hmm. I mean, I'm happy we got him for the price we did, but I would absolutely be tickled pink to have. Tyson Berry back in this lineup the cap was going up like it was supposed to but yeah no no I don't paint him with that brush that he was having a horrible season I just mean you could see the the struggles under Babcock where it wasn't his offensive game he didn't get the power play oh, yeah. he loved and then yeah. when Keith took over instantly it was the first three games three goals so yeah. he was on the power play where he was supposed to be and you know it's like it's it was like finally you put a player in this spot to succeed you were no longer yep. hindering him. You took the reins off and said, here, go play your game, do what you do. And right. it worked, right? So, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying with you know a team willing to, to pay for it. I'm just thinking of a guy like Shattenkirk who got the big deal and obviously got bought out and then you know yep. built his equity back up with Tampa. Uh, and yep. if next year is a shortened year, I mean, you never know what a team's going to do or what teams will do. Um, yep. But, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Someone will throw the money at him and Tyson Berry will be well, playing somewhere. Well, it's not even the money per se, but I don't—I just don't see a one-year deal because now, now we've seen what uncertainty can bring to the world. And you know, like any other walk of life, you'll want something—excuse me—approaching a lot more certainty. And one year wouldn't cut it as for a National Hockey League player. I mean, some guys that'll be the only choice they have. That'll—that'll—that'll that'll, that'll be all that's on the table for them. 
and, and they'll have to take that. I just don't see Barry as being one of those guys. Well, lastly, one player I want to touch on, a lot of people are buzzing about, was having yep. a great year down the OHL, and that's Nick Robertson. Obviously, yep. um, seems to be a very smart pick by Kyle Dubas and co. Um, looks to be a dynamo. I'm wondering, do you see him in a Leafs lineup next year, or do you allow him to absolutely tear apart the OHL once again? Well, I if he earns the spot in camp, whatever that might be, then why wouldn't he be? Yeah. I mean, 55, 55 goals... I saw him play in Mississauga toward the end of January. I think he just scored the one one goal that night late in the game. But I mean, the things that impressed me, uh, you know, the, the shot of course is NHL ready. He was NHL ready last September in Traverse City at the rookie camp, uh, and we were up there, and um, which now seems like a lifetime ago. Um, but he, he was so good, and he was so good in that tournament, Jamie. And and at that point, you're not thinking, you know, a year from now the Leafs. I mean. You know, he and SDA were just wanting to go back to Peterborough and and really do well. And um, you know, I don't think anyone with the Leafs were looking at it going, "Well, Robertson's going to, you know, come close to scoring 60 goals uh, for the Peterborough Peets." I mean, it, but he did 55, led the Canadian Hockey League. He's got that NHL ready shot. Size. He's not a big person, but as we all know, size doesn't matter nearly as much for a forward as it used to in the NHL. I mean, you look at Patrick Kane, you look at Mitch Marner, uh, not the biggest human beings in the world, but they're able to dominate. And uh, Robertson's quick, he's smart, the shot. And, you know, he's, he's uh, again, it takes players a long time to adjust to different roles in the NHL, but he was also a hell of a useful penalty killer for the Peets. And, you know, to, to already have that kind of uh, acumen coming in, I think whether he plays that role for the Leafs or not, but to have those smarts, I mean, if his junior coach, Rob Wilson, gave him that uh, had the confidence in him, then there's obviously a lot there. And with, he may not play that role for the Maple Leafs, like I say, right away. But, you know, it's it, why wouldn't he? I mean, who, and again, who knows what the, uh, once you get past this season, what the Leafs forward group is going to look like vis-a-vis the salary cap um, and all this. I mean, Robertson told me in January, has been reported that he avoided performance bonuses and other sorts of uh, things in his um, contract uh, uh, to, to kind of get to the NHL quicker. So that wouldn't be an impediment to him. And uh, so wow. he knows, and he's got a, he's got the determination. He's got he's got the heart, um, and he's got the skill. And he's 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 you know you look at it and go well can he really make the jump and we have to be top six well. If he's got the brains and the smarts to give up with these people, and Leafs are impressed with a little bit saw of them, players-wise, in camp last fall, then why not, right? No, absolutely, why not? No, I look at him, and I, like I said, I call him a dynamo because of, wow, what he can do and just what he's yep. brought so far. And like you said, the shot. I was talking to Dan Malta, actually, who does a lot of stuff with the Peets, and he was just raving about him and the things that he brings. Yep. So um, I'm excited for him. And like you just alluded to, the fact that the cap may just go either go down or stay stagnant, you're going to need those cheap talent players. And it looks like the Leafs might be able to reap in some of these guys they got, like an SDA, like a Robertson. You look what they have down in the minors as well, Korshikov and things like that. So they may be able to stave off this problem better than some teams. They might, and we'll have to see. But, I mean, if... And you said it right yourself on Robertson just being a second-round pick and everything. Um, that looked more and more like a steal for the Leafs as the season wore on. And uh, really, he's, he's turned into what would have been a first-round pick. You know, uh, just just the numbers that he was putting up for Peterborough are the types of things you'd expect a person uh, picked in the first round to go and do it as next year a junior. And, uh, you know, the other alternative right now would be for him to go back to the Peets. And... Uh, you always wonder about what a player might be able to accomplish or, or learn, I suppose. Um, but, you know, if he had to go back there and it didn't work out with the Leafs, going up and tearing up that league, uh, you know, wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing either. You know, Rob Wilson said to me, and I know he said to others, he's going to play in the NHL one day simply because he has that desire. And when he has everything else that goes with it, he will be there. Um, and, you know, uh, it, was, it was interesting too, you know, we, and we talked to Dubas, I think, on March 31st on a conference call. And you probably saw it. I mean, he'd said then that looking back on it, it's too bad the Leafs themselves didn't give Robertson a longer look in camp last year, you know. 
he signed that contract and was gone pretty quickly. And that was after doing the things that he did in Michigan yeah. at the rookie tournament with the Wings. And and perhaps that was a coach, more of a coaching decision. Babcock just didn't want. And we, with the sense of Babcock, I know that he had he, he had SDA around the year before for a little longer than we'd expected, but bigger thing was Mike always wanted to get down to that last roster kind of as quick as he could and, and really get that, that, that roster going for opening night and uh, maybe Robertson was a victim of that last year I don't know um, but um, that's not going to happen again no matter when the next camp is. No I think Keith will give everybody a little bit of a longer look and like you alluded to too with Robertson obviously killing penalties with the Peets you know you yeah. look at players like Johnson and Kapanen and the things that they ask these players with skill to do when they got sent down to the Marlies so already coming to camp with that acumen built into you um, yeah. you know it's not something you have to go and learn or more things you have to add to your tool belt it's already there for him and like you said he wouldn't do it right off the bat but be able to have that with him and you yeah. know maybe jump in if he had to you look at Mitch Marner when he plays on the penalty kill and just things he can do there too you know why yeah. not add another skill element to that penalty kill group Cabinet. might be able to yeah. bag you a shorty right that's right cabin the same thing i mean you know you have those wheels and that smarts on your pk and you know marner of course doing the things that he's able to do it it makes it dangerous but at the same time they're you know they're still knowledgeable enough to be defensively responsible and they're out there killing penalties and robertson could one day uh, become that that type of player for the leaves well, we look forward to camp and we look forward to hockey coming back. Terry, I want to thank you yet again for jumping on. Talking some Leafs, obviously, we're starved for anything to talk about them. So it's yeah. great to get this in here. Um, again, I appreciate it. Hopefully we can get you back on when there's some sort of announcement and see where we're gearing things up and where we're going to head. Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, it's uh, right now I think the best we can do is keep our fingers crossed and hope that something turns around here uh you know globally and in, in, in north america and we're able to get back at this so um you know like i said earlier it's good the nhl is planning for a return and it's incumbent on them to do that and uh let's just hope that uh there's some uh, fruition uh, through these efforts uh you know sometime toward the end of the summer yeah it'd be nice to have it back and as long as everybody can be safe and there's some sort of testing that makes yes. sure everybody's uh you know 100 percent in the clear so that's what we'll hope for and hope everything gets back in line but Again, I want to say thank you very much for swinging by, and uh, it's always a great time to talk to you. Yep, good talking to you. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, a awesome episode, you know, 50 strong minutes about the Toronto Maple Leafs, the ifs, the whats, the buts, the nuts, everything that can go on with the season. We talked about players and injuries, scenarios, coaching staff, talked about contracts, we talked about Nick Robertson, everything you wanted to know about the Leafs we brought into this episode, and that's what we bring over here on Offside. So that's Offside for tonight. Be sure to check out each and every episode. We have a lot of bangers in the vault. So get ready for them. All right, guys, we'll be talking soon. Mm-hmm.